Good morning, everybody. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. Did you guys notice in the mix part of that video, it looked like a kid had a blindfold on and he was just walking aimlessly toward the edge of the stage. And at the last minute, a youth guy jumps in front of him. Here's why I would not be a good youth sponsor. I say let that play out. Uh, just, I don't know, see where that goes. You don't know. Hey, <laughs> hey maybe you're wondering uh, why we do these family services. I want to share with you our goals. It's just a couple of things, really. Uh, first, we want our kids to have a regular opportunity where they get to come in here and see their parents, and they get to see the other adults of Genesis engaging in worship. We think that's really important not to always be separated from each other, but that we worship together as a church family and that we as adults get to model for our kids what, what worship looks like. Secondly, attending service together uh, means that we all hear the same message and we all leave here on the same page. And our hope is that that would be a natural lead-in later to some conversations. And whoever you came with today, uh, that you would talk with your kids, with your siblings, with your friends, uh, whoever that is, that, that you would spend some time talking about what we study today in God's Word and maybe what God is doing in your heart because of that. So that's, that's kind of why we do these family services, and uh, I just want to let you know that. So if you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to open to Matthew chapter 13. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there are some in the back of the room. You can grab one of those. If you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to keep one of those as your own. It's our gift to you, but Matthew chapter 13 is where we'll be studying this morning, and I realize that even as those words this morning come out of my mouth, that this morning is the last morning of summer for many of you, and there is great weeping and gnashing of teeth from the kids, but rejoicing for the parents, am I right? And tomorrow, several of you go back to school. But you know what? It has been a great summer at Genesis Church. That's what that video was all about, showing some of the highlights of what we did. And maybe you were traveling or you're just busy and you missed some of it. But uh, I want to share some of, of what you saw and some of what you didn't see uh, that we were involved in this summer. Many of you know that our big uh, summer event for Gen Kids is Spring Hill Day Camp. How many of you have been a part of Spring Hill Day Camp before as a, as a camper or as a, a volunteer? Yeah, a number of people in the room, and, and it's always a hit. But unfortunately, Spring Hill just didn't have the staff to accommodate our church this year. And so uh, we opted for Plan B. And plan B was that we just planned a, a number of isolated events, different events throughout the summer that uh, kids and families could engage with. We did everything from movie carnival, just this paddles in the park, to a pool day at the Monon Center, uh, our Gen Kids Summer Carnival just this past weekend. And these events were great opportunities for kids to come and have fun. But I also heard from parents that these events were awesome because uh, you got to connect with other parents and maybe even meet some folks for the first time who are at the same stage of life as you. For adults, we, uh, we had some things like party in the park, complete with a cornhole tournament and fried chicken. That was a great day there at Forest Park. We had backyard picnics, several groups meeting for community, all just opportunities for people to get connected and stay connected throughout the summer months. And uh, as you saw in the video, we took our students to two different conferences, one in June called MOVE for our high school students and one in July called MIX for our middle school students. 
And these conferences are often a place where students will make a first-time commitment to Christ. They'll give their life to Christ. Some will recommit their lives to Christ. Many of them will hear a clear call into ministry. And uh, one thing is for sure, every student will return from these conferences having heard the gospel and receiving that invitation into kingdom work. So we, we love mix and move. We love being a part of that in the summertime. Now, the theme at both of these conferences was broadcast. Jesus was sent by God into this world to broadcast the good news of the kingdom. And we're going to pick up on that theme this morning in Matthew chapter 13. But first, for the kids in the room, let me ask, what do you think of when you hear that word broadcast? So you can say it out loud. It's okay. What do you, what do you think of when you hear that word? Yeah. What did you say? Radio, somebody yelled the gospel, and that's a good church answer. What else, what, else do, what, what else do you think of when you hear broadcast? What is it? Building. Building? What do you think? A tower. A tower? So we have a, most of us have a, a way of thinking of this in modern terms, right? We think about TVs and radios and YouTube and all of that stuff. But the word broadcast actually originated as a farming term. And it was used in reference to sowing seed. You would broadcast the seed or scatter it uh, broadly all around. In fact, still today, when I want to throw some seed or some fertilizer on my, my lawn, I, used what's, I use what's called a broadcast spreader. And maybe you've seen uh, someone use this. You pour all of the seed into a big hopper, and then you either push it or it's got a little crank, and it just throws seed everywhere. That's, that's broadcasting seed. And it wasn't actually until the early 1900s that that word broadcast took on its more popular meaning today with the invention of the radio. In fact, early radio pioneers overdid this farming term because they realized they could cast a broad message over a large area, over the airwaves, and they could send it everywhere. Well, one of the ways that Jesus would broadcast his message was through the use of parables. And Jesus used parables to help people who were really listening to understand the truth about his kingdom. There's a guy named William Barclay, and, and uh, he's an, older, an old guy. I, I like to read his commentary uh, on the Bible, and he says this about the parables. He says, all great teaching begins from the here and now in order to get to the there and then. And here's what that means. If someone wants to teach others about things they don't understand, he has to begin with things they do understand. And that's what the parables of Jesus do for those who are willing to hear. Parables are stories about things here and now, things that are understood, but they teach and illustrate greater truths about things there and then, specifically the kingdom of God. Now, one of the more common definitions of a parable is that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Maybe you've heard that before. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus often used this method of storytelling to capture people's attention and to teach them important truth. Now, one more thing you should know about the parables in general. Jesus' parables have a unique quality in that they don't just spell out every detail for us. 
The, the parables required those listening to really engage their minds and to really think. And if people would do that, they would discover these truths about the kingdom of God. But of course, the other side of that is that if you refuse to think about them, if you refuse to, to engage your brain, engage your mind, the parable will actually conceal truth from you. In fact, the parables of Jesus sometimes confused those listening because they weren't willing to really think it through. So parables reveal truth to the one who seeks it, and they conceal truth from the one who does not wish to seek it. In fact, we're going to see that Jesus says in Matthew 13, 9, whoever has ears, let them hear. And that might seem kind of funny to you because most of us have ears, right? Kids in the room, how many ears do you have? Five? Who said five? What a unique kid. <laughs> Most of us have two, right? Kids, if you can hear me right now, clap two times. Okay, that's what Jesus means. Because here's what just happened. You clapped two times because you heard me, and then you understood what I said, and then you chose to obey. That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to hear but not only to hear, but to understand and then to obey. Okay, so let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3. Here's what it says. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear." Okay, let's pause right there for just a second. And you may have noticed, Leah pointed out that we've got a display up here today. And I want to thank my friend, Pat Tao. Pat, raise your hand in the air right now. Pat helped us build this. Can we give him a hand? When I think of Pat Tao, I think of Bob the Builder, okay? If I need something built, Pat Tao's my Bob the Builder. He's still cool, right? Do kids still watch Bob the Builder? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway dating myself a little bit. Pat helped us uh, to display what Jesus is talking about here, four different kinds of soil. You've got the path down on the end, you've got the rocky soil, you've got the soil that's got weeds or thorns in it, and then you've got the good soil. And it doesn't take a master gardener to know that there's really only one kind of soil represented up here that you would want to plant in, right? It's the good soil. But here's the thing, Remember, Jesus told these parables to help us understand his kingdom. So this parable isn't really about gardens and dirt, is it? There's a deeper meaning behind this story, and Jesus actually tells us what that meaning is starting in verse 18. Let's take a look at it together. Here's what he says. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. 
When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now, I want you to know this is incredible that Jesus gives us all of this detail. This actually isn't normal. Jesus doesn't normally give us all of this detail and tell us exactly what his parables mean, but in this instance, he did. He says the soils represent the condition of our hearts, and the seed represents the gospel message. The sower is Jesus, and he broadcasts the good news, but not every heart is ready to receive it. And this parable is really aimed at two different groups of people. Okay, the, the first set of, of people the parable is given to are the hearers of the word. Just as there are different types of soil presented in the parable, there are also different ways to hear and to respond to the gospel. And the fruit which the gospel produces depends on the heart of the hearer, okay? So the first group is, is these hearers. So let me ask you, if you are a hearer, meaning maybe you've never heard the gospel or, or you've heard it, but you've not received and believed in Jesus Christ, uh, you're interested, you're listening, the question for you is, which one of these soils best represents your heart? Let's look at each of them one at a time. First, on, on the very end down there is the soil that represents the path. And it's interesting to note that in first century Israel, fields were sown in long, narrow strips. Today, when we see a field, it's usually a huge piece of land, right? And we work it with machines. Uh, but back in Jesus' day, that wasn't the case. They would sow in a, a narrow strip, and in between the narrow strips was ground that would be used as a path, and people would be constantly walking on these paths, and the walking caused the ground to become compacted and, uh, and very hard over time. This is the kind of soil that Jesus refers to first, and he says that if seed falls there, there's no chance that it's going to penetrate, uh, that its roots can, can go down into the ground. The ground is just too hard. And just like a path that has been beaten down from being walked on, some of your hearts have been beaten down by life. And maybe it's people in your past who have hurt you. Maybe it's things that, that have happened uh, in our world that just have discouraged you and robbed you of any hope. Your heart has become hard, and it's so hard that the message of Jesus just can't break through, and it just is snatched away before there's even a chance for it to take root. I wonder if that might be true of you this morning. This kind of heart is what Jesus describes as the path. And then he goes on to describe that second kind of soil, which is the rocky soil, the rocky ground. And most likely what Jesus was describing wasn't what we might think of when we think of rocky soil. We, we think of kind of what we've got here, some soil that's got some rocks in it. But what was more common in Palestine was for there to be a very thin layer of dirt and underneath of it for there to be a solid shelf of limestone. So it wasn't just a, a few rocks here and there. It was, it was solid rock under a thin layer of dirt. And uh, because of that, on ground like that, a seed could germinate very quickly because the ground would warm up with the heat of the sun. 
but there was no depth to that soil. And so when the plant would try to send down its roots, it would hit that solid limestone and it would quickly wither and die because it couldn't withstand the heat. And Jesus says, this is how some people receive the gospel, that they get really excited about Jesus and excited about his message initially, and they go all in, but their excitement is all based on emotions and good feelings, and they never really think things out. They never really consider the commands of Christ. They don't have the will or the discipline to obey his commands. And once that good feeling is gone, they just walk away. And that's the rocky ground. And then Jesus describes a, a heart that is like ground with thorns. And, uh, and the thorny ground was actually very deceptive because when the sower would broadcast his seed, the ground might look clean and clear. Anyone who's worked a garden or a, a flower bed knows that you can make it look pretty good with a little bit of, of effort. You can, you know, till up the weeds on the surface and, and, uh, and clean off the surface of the dirt. But what happens just a few days later is all of those weeds come right back up because they've either already dropped their own seeds or, or their roots are just deep enough that, that it doesn't take long and they pop right back up and the fact is those weeds and thorns are tougher than most of the other plants and they'll choke out whatever is trying to grow around them. And Jesus says some people's hearts are, are like that third soil, like that thorny soil there. And they hear the message of Jesus, but they have so many other things going on that they don't pay it much attention. And it's with this third soil that Jesus mentions the worries of this life. These are distractions right? These are the things that steal our attention. And I wonder if you could think for just a moment about what steals your attention. What distractions are there in your life? I think about things like social media. That's a huge distraction for so many people. For others, it's videos or, or TV shows. Maybe for you, it's video games. Those things can be a major distraction. For some of the adults in the room, maybe it's your career. Maybe it's the, the pursuit of, of success and performance. Those things can be a distraction. Jesus goes on to say that the thorny soil also involves the deceitfulness of wealth. And how many of you know that, that money can be a major distraction? Too much money can be a distraction. Not enough money can be a distraction. And the real trouble is this, that the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. Those things choke the word, making it unfruitful. And so that's the thorny soil. So I, I think you probably realize what all three of these first soils uh, have in common. The fact is, nothing can grow here. Like even if a seed is, is able to, to germinate and, and begin to send down roots, it's, it's not going to survive in any of these three environments. But in the parable, the sower just keeps on sowing his seed in hopes that some of it is going to land on this fourth soil. And the fourth soil is the good soil. And the good soil is loose. It's not beaten down like the path. That fourth soil is, is deep. It, it's not shallow like the rocky ground. And the fourth soil is clear and it's clean. It's, it's not full of weeds and, and thorns. And there's a heart that's like this good soil. And it's a heart that's open to the gospel. 
It's a heart that's not too busy or too proud to listen. It's a heart that's willing to hear and to understand. And it's the heart of a person who's willing to really think things out and to accept all that the gospel requires and to act on it. But here's what's also true about the good soil. It takes a lot of work to get it that way and to keep it that way. And and that tells us that for the kingdom of God to thrive in our hearts, it's going to take some effort. You're going to have to tend the soil of your heart, spending time in God's word and in prayer and in worship. You're going to have to dig out a lot of rocks, things like cynicism and pride and selfishness. These things have a way of stunting the growth of the gospel in your life. You'll have to weed out the cares and the concerns of this world and learn how to trust and to hope fully in Christ. And for some of you here today, you've never done this work. You've never tended the soil of your heart. You've allowed rocks to remain and weeds to grow, and they are blocking hope, and they are choking out the gospel. But can I tell you some good news this morning? It's not too late. It's not too late to stir up the soil of your heart. It's not too late to plant a good seed. And let me tell you, pulling weeds and digging rocks can be painful and it's hard work, but there's something beautiful waiting on the other side. If you've never heard it before, here's the message that Jesus came to broadcast. That there is a God in heaven who created everything. And he created mankind specifically to worship him. Our purpose was to glorify God. But we thought we knew better. And so we rebelled, doing what God had commanded us not to do. Humanity sinned against God, and and we read in his word that the wages of sin is death. That's what you deserve for your sin. It's what I deserve for my sin. It's death, eternal separation from God, eternal punishment for sin. But because of God's great love for us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect, obedient life, and then to lay that life down as a sacrifice for your sin and for mine. Jesus paid the wages of sin in full so that we would not have to. And then he credited all of his righteousness to us so that we could be reunited with the Father. And all of this is a gift. You don't deserve it. You cannot earn it. It's only by the grace of God that you are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I don't know what the condition of your heart is today, but I am praying that the message of Christ would fall on some good soil and that the gospel would take root and produce fruit in your life. Anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. But I want to mention one more thing before we wrap up. And you'll remember that I said this parable is really aimed at two different groups of people. We've already looked at at the hearers of of the word. That's the, the first group. The other group is the preachers of this word. And if you have believed in Jesus, you've received the free gift of salvation, that's you. You are now an ambassador for Christ, preaching the word of Christ, telling others about Jesus. 
And not only was this parable meant to say something to the listening crowd of people, it was also intended to speak a message clearly to Jesus' own disciples. Because in a very short time, Jesus would go away and the disciples themselves would be taking the message of Christ and they would be responsible for broadcasting that message to the very ends of the earth and continuing the disciple-making movement that Jesus had started. But it shouldn't surprise us that discouragement was a very real threat for Christ's disciples. Discouragement is a real thing now. It was a very real thing then, because not everyone was receptive to Christ's message. I mean, many were, were publicly and sometimes violently opposed to Jesus. And to those who are discouraged... To Christ's own disciples then and his disciple makers now, Jesus communicates this encouragement through the parable. The harvest will come. That's the encouragement to preachers of the word. The harvest will come. Some seed will fall on the path and be snatched away. Some seed will fall on the rocky ground and die. Some seed will fall among the thorns and be choked out. But in spite of it all, the harvest will come because some of the seed will fall on the good soil and that seed will produce fruit. Listen, the farmer who sows the seed never expects that every single seed will take root. But he knows that some of it will. And so he doesn't get discouraged. He just keeps on sowing. He keeps on broadcasting the seed. And likewise, we continue the work of broadcasting the message of the gospel to anyone with ears to hear. Preachers of the word, have you become discouraged in the work of making disciples? Have you grown weary in the work of sowing the gospel message? If so, be encouraged this morning and let the truth of this parable re-energize the mission of Christ, the mission that he gave us to go and to make disciples because the harvest will come. We don't always know how, we don't always know when, we don't always know who, but you can know that the harvest will come. And our work is to simply be faithful to broadcast the message of Jesus as widely as possible so that people might hear and understand and be saved. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, I thank you so much uh, for this parable that we've studied this morning. And I thank you, Father, for the, the two messages that it communicates. First, to hearers of the word, Lord, that we should examine the condition of our heart and to see uh, Father, where we stand with these things and, and are we able to accept the word of Christ? Ha have we allowed things like life to, to beat us down? Have, have we allowed rocks to remain? Have we allowed weeds to grow and to choke out your word? Father, if that's true of some this morning, I pray that they would realize it's not too late to turn the soil over, to tend the soil of their heart, to allow the gospel to take root, Lord and to make a decision for Christ uh, that will change their eternity. I pray that that would be true of some today. I thank you also for the message of this parable, God, to preachers of the word. And, and maybe it's even hard for some of us to get our minds around the fact that that's what we are. Once we, we come to know Christ, we become ambassadors for Christ. That's what Paul tells us. And now we're preaching the message of Christ. And 
And Lord, the message of this parable for us is to not be discouraged, that the harvest will come. And and maybe we need to hear that and be reminded of that this morning, to remain faithful to the work you've given us, to not be discouraged in it, to not become weary in it, God, but to push forward, to push on, to be people of endurance, and to be faithful to your call to make disciples. Father, I pray that... uh, that we would find your word to be true. Your word does not return void, God. And so I pray you would do with it now by the power of your spirit what only you can do. Change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives, Father, and find us uh, willing to accept these things, to hear and to understand and to obey. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.